Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today, we're going to be talking about a book that my guest has written, which is already a bestseller, a new book, new release. It's called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. Um, My guest is A.J. Rice. I will tell you a little bit about him. But first, um, let me just tell you how I I was blown away by this book. Um, And I think it should be required reading for all high school students and all college students and all homeschool students, and of course, for just uh, Americans in general. But um, it is perhaps the only thing, or right now the best thing, that could wake Americans up from their stupor as we allow um, things to happen in our society, as we become woke, as we're being um, made to become woke, and people are feeling helpless. They're feeling fearful. They they're feeling they don't know what to do. How to combat this this force that seems to have come out of the blue when really there has been an incipient uh, crawl of these um, of Marxism, of cancel culture, of all of that for quite some time. We're just kind of uh, realizing it ever since the George Floyd um killing you know and all the riots that has kind of made and and homeschool and a covid where we now get to see what's being taught in some schools um all of that came together to make us more aware that uh oh there's something wrong people are trying to take over america but that's about as far as most people have gotten and um this book <laughs> And it really lays it out in a very entertaining way, a funny way, um, funny, humorous <laughs> way, um, and makes it all very palatable. So with that, um, let me introduce my guest, AJ Rice. He's the CEO of Publius PR, which is a premier communications firm in Washington, D.C. He is a brand manager, a star whisperer, and Otor Media Influencer, and he has produced anyone who's anyone in uh, in media, um, notably conservative media, uh, Laura Ingram, Judge Jeanine Perrault, Donald Trump's Jr., Monica Crowley, Mark Meadows, I could go on and on, but then that would be the end of the show. So it's aside from, you know, putting them out in the front and helping them to make their messages known, now he is coming up, out with a he has come out with a work, um, a, 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 like a, I don't want to say life's work because I know he's going to be coming out with more books than this, but it could be one's life's work because it's like everything that um, is wrong with America. And also, AJ Rice is a columnist for um, 25 plus different national media outlets, including um, The Hill, Epic Times, Newsmax. American Greatness, and the Washington Examiner. So without further ado, let me introduce AJ Rice. Welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. 
I, you know, I was, I was thinking this was going to be, uh, you know, my first therapy session. I, I didn't realize it was an interview. <laughs> it could be whatever you want. <laughs> um, you know, I'll be honest when I got this book and I was looking, it's 400 pages approximately. Um, I thought, oh man, I have to read all of this before the interview. How am I going to do that? <laughs> That's right. It's and, like Tolstoy. <laughs> yes. And, um, and so I started reading it and it was like, um, it was a very easy read. It is like bite-sized, bite-sized chapters, um, entertaining chapters, of course, poignant chapters, um, that address all different aspects of our culture and what's happening in America. So for people who are thinking, oh, this is going to be a pro-Trump book, another pro-Trump book. It is no, it, yes, it's a, there's a there's a chapter that deals with Trump, but that is not the majority of the book. Um, you know, the 400 pages. Um, it really, you really have. Uh, identified all the major aspects of society and um, taken to task or, or analyzed what is wrong and how it got that way. And so it was very, it was a pleasure to, um, to read it. And, um, and I'm really serious. I'm not just trying to flatter you when I say that it should be required reading of um, high school and college students and everybody else, but I mean, um, it's the high school and college students who are being taught the opposite, who are being taught to destroy America, and that's why um, they need something like this to tell the truth about it. So before we get into some of the things that you cover, I, I would like to start, I ask all my authors this, um, because I'm, I've am i always been interested in this, ever since elementary school, when we had to do book reports, I've always been interested in why a particular author wrote a particular book. So um, what made you, you know, I know in a sense you've been doing this all along with your star whispering and all of that, um, but what made you become a star whisperer? I mean, what made you feel so passionate about the things that you promote, including, of course, this book? Well, um, let me just say that uh, <clears throat> I appreciate that intro. Um, during COVID, what I noticed was there were two viruses afoot. The one that was medical that was using, uh, you know, the power of the federal government to control us medically. So what we inject in our body, what we put on our face, where we go, who we travel with, how we're not going to have weddings anymore. We're not going to have college graduations. We're not going to have, you know, the NCAA final four. Uh, so they, they really controlled us in a physical way medically. And then I noticed there was a, a more nefarious virus afoot and that is wokeness. Um, and that was the sort of soft authoritarianism of trying to regulate our speech, trying to regulate, you know, what pronouns we use, our fun. So stand-up comics and TV shows. And what's funny is some of it even predates, uh, and you've gotten, you've gotten into this on your show, some of this even predates COVID and this, like with the Me Too movement, right? And then they allowed the Floyd rioting to happen. And you have an attack on the founding of the 19th project. 
you see that the goal here is to do these little mini dress rehearsals with us to see how compliant we'll be. So each day they'll take another little chunk out of our freedom, right? They'll do it medically, lock us in, then they'll try to reprogram us with wokeness, which comes in all kinds of forms, cancel culture, uh, microaggressions, you know, are you cisgendered? Are you, you know, are you part of the patriarchy? Um, so I wanted to push back on that because that's the Vogue virus, the virus that's in fashion at the moment. Um, have we dealt with this before? Yes. I mean, it, it, at its core, most of this social justice warrior garbage is cultural Marxism, right? So maybe we've been dealing with it since before World War I. Uh, there's some philosophers, people write books about this, the history of, you know, the left. Um, they always knew they had to take the schools. They always knew they had to take the entertainment uh, that we were getting. And they always knew they had to take the news, so if you can control the media and Hollywood academia and tie it all together with basically digital brown shirts, which is big tech, then you can control a population. And that's, that's what made me write the book. I mean, I, you know, I'm a big stand-up guy. There's a whole section of the book on comedy. I uh, interact with a lot of stand-up comics um, that are working today. And one of my passions is if you like, if you really dig into some of my writing, I'm quoting stand-up comics going all the way back to, you know, Lenny Bruce coming forward, even pre Lenny Bruce, but I, I quote them a lot. It's something that's sort of a passion for me because it was something I've always admired their ability to be truth tellers. And like many libertarians, if everyone from Penn Jillette to George Carlin has said, when you see the comedian scared, mm. your, your, your society has got authoritarianism on the march. And we've got that right now. Currently searching for comedy in the Marxist world. Mm. Oh, yes. Um. And look, I write about that in the book, you know, and it was something I read about under the the Maduro Hugo Chavez regime in Venezuela, these, these underground type speakeasies that had popped up where comedians illegally were on stage goofing on their government. And, and you know, the cops would show up like the Stasi, like the, the, the jackboots would show up and bust the place up. Like it was during prohibition, you know, and some of these people were being put in jail. So, you know, the irony, of course, is that we do have some truth tellers here, um, but a lot, of, a lot of the entertainment business, you know, they're not like Ricky Gervais or Dave Chappelle, where they'll go out there and bust you in the face with a joke, and they don't care who they offend. I mean, if you look at our late night comics, who are all a bunch of middle-aged white guys, mm -hmm. they're all pretty lazy. You know, they're all telling the same jokes. Um, you know, they ran out of Palin jokes, so now they tell Trump jokes. Uh, so, and I guess now they're telling, you know, jokes about media personalities more than anything. Um, they're lazy, they're monochromatic, <laughs> not just in what they look like, other than Trevor Noah, uh, it was, a, you know, the Daily Show, Jon Stewart's replacement. Um, they're not edgy at all. And if they were really edgy, 
they would start telling jokes about radical Islam. They would start telling jokes like Chappelle has about the LGBTQ mafia who were trying to do hits on everybody all the time. And at the end of the day, he's not Clarence Thomas uh, or Walter Williams or, or, you know, Thomas Sowell. Uh, He's, you know, a Democrat from Washington, D.C., was born in D.C. And he was merely asking a question. uh, And and Bill Maher has asked it, too. You know, it took the trans 40 seconds to get all their rights. It took black people 400 years. Wonder why that is. So, I mean, look, there there are some guys out there that, that, you know, they're they're rich enough that they can make jokes and get away with it. The question, of course, being, and it's the question I posed a minute ago about the chilling effect, once your comedians are scared, if you were starting out tomorrow and you wanted to be a stand-up, uh, you know, and you're holding your, your stocks during the day and you're trying to get gigs at night, are you going to comply? Mm. Most, in most cases, you're going to try to get that gig and you're going to comply. Unfortunately. Yeah, you're not going to, because the people who own the clubs and all that aren't going to want to hire somebody who's going to be too uh, dangerous, you know, to say the wrong kinds of things. Yes, that's a very, very serious issue, you know, because, um, well, for one thing, uh, you know, we need comedians, we need laughter more than ever, really. Um, And you can't, you can't, um you can't block what you're going to be talking about when you're a comedian i mean you have to like um offend people to some degree uh you know i mean the point is people are becoming the, the real problem is that people too many people are offended too easily you know the snowflakes of our generation of, of all the generations of our time i should say um everybody's a snowflake it's like you know even when we came out of covid and it was hard to sort of reintegrate into society without a mask. And, or even if you were wearing a mask, you, you know, you got to see people that you ha- who you hadn't seen for a while up close and personal. And it's now it seems like people are so much more uh, easily offended, not even if it's race or LGBT or just in general, you know, it seems like you have to be so w- walking on eggshells not to offend people, whether it's politics or something. Sure. Look, Censorship has always existed, right? So they they were trying to censor. I mean, in reality, they're trying to censor the founding fathers. I mean, George III was trying to censor the founding fathers in various ways. That's why you know you had these different pamphlets being printed in Boston and Philadelphia and New York by colonial patriots, basically criticizing taxation without representation criticizing, you know, many of the different acts that were passed by the British Parliament to punish us for misbehaving. Uh, we were misbehaving in with our speech and with our actions, and we were doing that because we were being taxed to death. Um, I, I, ironically, uh, Biden is about to deploy, I guess, the redcoats of the IRS to we've got 87,000 IRS members that are about to be deployed. I think that's about 1,750 per state to come look under the hood. You know, what they do is they announce something crazy 
And then they look to see who sticks their head up and complains about it. Yeah. Right? Right? Who's complaining about it? Don't look, people have been saying it. This raid on Mar-a-Lago well, what, like, wasn't just wasn't just to get to Trump. It was to get to us and then to watch who's gonna stick their head up. Yes. Who you know, wh- who's gonna pop up yes. because yes. they can see who to go get. Do we right? have to backtrack or can we keep going in that direction? Um, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we have we're gonna be taking a break now. Um, and we can, we can, I certainly do want to, I mean, Mar-a-Lago, I think is one of the scariest things that happened since 9-11, really, in terms of what it means for this country. Um, so we need to take a break. My guest is AJ Rice. He's the author of the new bestseller called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about the Woking Dead, how society's Vogue virus destroys our culture, which is a new best-selling book by A.J. Rice, um, to... To give an example of some of the uh, the variety of topics covered in this book, um, we there, there's a, a a chapter called "How I Did Not Meet Your Mother." I love your chapter titles. You know these takeoffs on things. So um, why don't you tell us why you wrote that? What that's about? Well, uh, I wrote it because I was looking at data. I think I think it started with you know, a story about how, you know, office Christmas parties, this is pre-COVID, 
office Christmas parties were being canceled because they could not trust their male employees to behave themselves and not maybe ask out the girl that they've been staring at in their cubicle for nine months. They can't have that happen. The Me Too movement, the Me Too mafia with the pink pussycat hats <laughs> are going to come banging down the door at any minute and arrest me for, you know, basically being a heterosexual male. So I was looking at that. I'm like, man, liberalism just sucks the fun out of everything. And I was thinking about how most people, a lot of people, uh, their spouse or girlfriend at work. Now, Grant, you know, depending upon how your what your job is, you might have to declare your relationship and sign a waiver or whatever the hell it is and say that you're not going to sue each other for sexual harassment, which is ridiculous, um, litigious society. But I'm thinking about, like, I watch The Office, right? And I watch Jim stare at Pam for four seasons before <laughs> he really got a chance, to, before he got a chance to kiss her. Now, in the real world, under the Me Too movement and under the woke, you know, gender police, um, they're going to, you know, Jessica Chastain is going to kick down the door. Here they come. They're going to kick down the door looking for Matt Lauer, and they're going to find, you know, Jim uh, from the office. And he's never going to ask out Pam. They're never going to get together. They're never going to have that baby that they have, all because our society is being regulated down to the most basic human interactions. So you got this Me Too movement where nobody wants to hit on each other. Nobody goes out. Nobody has a happy hour after work. Then you bring in the virus. COVID virus and everyone gets sent home. So now we're, first of all, no one's hooking up because they might think they're going to have the China are going to die. Or the monkey early virus. On, we, or the monkey virus the, now. Well, that's a different <laughs> kind of, that's a, Yeah, that's a different kind of hookup that you and I aren't, you and I aren't involved in that, in that kind. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but, and, and then, you know, you've got generations. The boomers were communicators, Gen X, a pretty good communicator, although they're the brooding type with, you know, the Brat Pack and Kirk Bank. And, and, and then you got millennials who are big time communicators, right? And focus on purpose. Everything's got to have a purpose. Even if I take a picture of my dinner, it has to have a purpose. And it's better to be obsessed with purpose than be, to be obsessed with the group that coming coming behind the millennials. And that is Gen Z. And Gen Z was born with a, with a cell phone in their hand. And they have all this technology, but they are the worst communicators of the bunch. They have no interpersonal communication skills. They are obsessed with identity, and yet they don't have one, mm. which is interesting, which is interesting. They're constantly trying to figure out who they are. And, you know, maybe I'm not a real person. I'm my online avatar, you know, crazy stuff like that. And then you tell all the males in that generation, you're all rapists. Okay. The Me Too movement, you're all rapists. Don't talk to her. And you might not even be a female. You might be both. You might be a male and a female, depending upon the day of the week. I mean, you want to talk about scrambled eggs of wokeism. I mean, that is what these young people are dealing with. So how I did not meet your mother is about how, you know, I, I was going to live happily ever after with my spouse from work. But instead, you know, I'm at some LGBTQ awareness conference uh, that is being Nike and Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I, I love some of the examples that you gave, um, how Bill and Melinda Gates 
met at Microsoft and she turned him down the first time. That's kind of a surprise. He probably and should then, have. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. In hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, you know, maybe she saw all of those text messages between him and Epstein. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Not when she first met him. <laughs> and then he, so, and th so you make the point Then he asked out again. And, um, and so then they started going out, but that, you know, this in today's world, that that would be, she could sue him for sexual harassment. Um, and I know Mike Pence is, uh, you, and you make the point that, yes, I mean, it is, it, it, I think it's almost worse for women what has happened with the Me Too and all of that than it is for men. Because um, women have lost out not only in the workplace, but also in dating and love and marriage because of men being so afraid, you know, they're either they're going to be uh, charged with sexual harassment or toxic masculinity or oh, anything. The worst. Um, so, I, yes. And it's always uh, you mentioned this. and It's always I mean, I knew about it a while ago about Mike Pence. Oh, you know, Mike Pence. Who um who doesn't want to eat alone, travel alone, or otherwise be alone with any woman who isn't his wife, um, so that he you know can't be and and, and door has to be open and all of that so that he can't be sued for now you know if somebody as a psychiatrist <laughs> I, I can tell you and you probably you know know yourself that if somebody is making that kind of a statement. And that much, uh, making that much of an effort to not be alone with another woman, clearly that is someone who wants to have sex with other women besides <laughs> his wife. Like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Paging you know, Dr. It, Freud, uh, here, here we go. Yes, no, I mean, it wouldn't be that difficult, you know, that much of a temptation if he didn't want to do it. I mean, it's it's like medieval almost, or it's it's it borders on, you know, what goes on in Saudi Arabia? I can't be on the bus if there's a woman on the bus and I can't walk into the store and she better she better be covered up so she looks like a, a mailbox with just a slit to see <laughs> through. I mean, you know, so so I mean it that to me is is bizarre, I, honestly. And I look, I know I've I've met Mike Pence. Mike Pence was actually a fill-in host on the Laura Ingram show, and I produced him. So I went to lunch with him and everything. Huh. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, he was he, he's a different guy now than he was even when he was in Congress. So, mm -hmm. I mean, look, you know, he's he's buttoned up. But the idea that I've got to keep my door open at all time. Otherwise, I might get, I'm, you know, someone might think I'm up to something. I mean, that's just crazy. It's projection, I mean, I, you, know, it's, you know, that, you know, you yeah. want to be up to something. Um, yes, all of this is, and then, yes, you talk about, you know, with Kavanaugh and, um, I mean that, you know, as, as a forensic psychiatrist, the whole thing that happened with Kavanaugh was very disturbing to me because this whole idea, I mean, this was about sexual harassment, but it could have been anything as far as like the whole idea of leaving something is true because somebody says it's true. In this case, it was a woman who said that she that he, you know, sexually assaulted her or whatever, but it could be about anything. I mean, you wouldn't need courts and you wouldn't need experts and you wouldn't need juries, you know, if it was just a matter of believing someone because they say that something is so. Oh, I agree. Um, and you see, I mean, this is what I mean, and that's, there's, you know, the government's involved with this now. I mean, it was under Obama, under Title IX, and basically they had the these, these you know, roving bands of, rape police on college campuses looking around every corner that 
you know, I mean, if you've got a child on a college campus today, I mean, I, you know, I, I have a baby, but I just, I deal with, I mean, 20 years from now, I don't know what it's going to look like, but you got to really tell your, the, at least the boys uh, to, to watch yourself because, you know, not only you, could you have something stupid that you do so you and I could act stupid uh, in college, Carol, because everyone wasn't running around with a video camera. Right. Yeah. So, but today you have believe all women meets, you know, meets, if you do something dumb and you've got a, you know, an iPhone on you, they're going to record it. They're going to record you. I mean, I joke around with Ingram and Monica Crowley all the time because I was producing those shows and we all still had blackberries. Right. And look, if you produce a radio show and you know, it sometimes when you're, you're in, you're in a studio and there's breaking news and there's, there's egos involved and everyone's an alpha dog. There's some crazy stuff that goes on. And, and we joke all the time that we pretty much were done doing what we had to do on radio before every single one of the interns sitting behind us had a recording device, right? Uh-huh. Just because, you know, it's like the back, it's like the backstage of a comedy club sometimes. It's, you know, I mean, let's, we're not bashful here. I mean, what do you think, I read David and Seinfeld, how they were talking on the set of Seinfeld? Believe me, it's brutal. It's brutal. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely R rated in those cases. But I mean, you're putting together art. You're putting every day, you have to put together a three act play. If you're doing three hours of day of live radio, um, I just think about today how offensive probably were, right? But you can't judge today's, you can't take today's standards and, time travel and and try to apply them and retroactively just remove stuff from right, our culture right. or from the language. I mean, remember two years ago, they tried to tell us that that Dean Martin song, Baby It's Cold Outside, was really about rape. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Baby It's Cold Outside, because, you know, the woman and the man are going back and he's He's coming at her and she's saying, don't you dare come at me. You know, it's a, they're doing a little, they're doing a little, you know, dance, but oh, watch out, watch out. I mean, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the, there's new rules every day, Carol, new rules. Now you mentioned your baby um, and how do you, I mean, especially after you put together this book and I mean, I know this is, has been your thinking for quite some time. You just put it all together, but how do you, um, what do you think about or how do you, you know, in terms of, uh, I mean, or maybe that's part of why you put the book together, but like, aren't you, when you look at how the world is going to be in 20 years, when he's 20, um, how do you feel about that? And what do you think you can do about it, if anything? Well, I mean, it is one of the reasons. Look, the Rices are fighters. Yeah, we're from Philadelphia already. I'm Irish Catholic. Uh, you know, you and I, we work together, you know, my personality, I, and my wife's a fighter too. She's Scotch Irish. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, she's, she's tough. Her name is Kelly Scott, right? So we're tough and, and we're not just going to lay down and give the culture away to the woking dead. We're not going to do it. Um, you know, this, all revolutions eventually eat themselves. The version of this you know, we've seen political correctness in the past. We've seen cultural Marxism in the past. There will be a, another wave of this, um, probably 
when he's peaking, you know, high school, college. It, it comes and goes in a cycle. But I, I wrote the book as, you know, a flaming cultural middle finger to everyone that wants to suck the joy from our life, change how we behave, change how we speak, and, you know, get it down on paper, use it as the Bible for fighting back to take back your culture, right? It's an easy read. It's not, you don't have to read it cover to cover. You can jump around. Um, you know, there are little vignettes. I think there's like 97 of them. Um, and, you know, you want to laugh. You want to look. You joke. I mean, you, you mentioned it in the last segment. You know, I try to have fun with language. I am a former English literature teacher and student. Um, that's what I studied. Uh, and uh, yeah, I try to reach into the culture and make things accessible through the culture because as much as you and I love politics, you know, most people don't care about the elections in Idaho, right? Uh, who the senior senator is. They care about their culture. They care about the garbage in the textbooks being pumped in there by the public school system or the government school system, as I call them. Um, so you have to fight back incrementally. I mean, they're taking it from you incrementally. So you have to fight back incrementally. America's nice because it allows for some that aren't, have been totally deplatformed yet, you know, alternative iconoclastic voices to rise up. I mean, you're one of them. So, I mean, you're not, you're, you, there's no mold for you. Okay. Based on your cultural perspective, your background, uh, you know, your education and where your politics reside. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, hopefully, we'll make a difference. Uh, after all, this is volume one, Carol, so stay tuned. Yeah, I noticed that, that it's a <laughs> Publius Prose volume one. I noticed that. Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting that, and we can think about this, we only have a couple of minutes um, for this segment, but um, it's interesting that you say that this kind of thing has happened in the past, and we're going to have cycles, and we're going to have it again in the future. I don't see, um, I mean, I'm feeling that th I, ha I have a much more dire, um, pessimistic view of where we are right now. Um, I don't, I see this as, as swallowing America up unless we uh, all rally and do something ASAP. Um, the time is ticking kind of thing. I don't know that, I mean, it has become so, um, all of this, this taking of our politics, of our culture, of everything has been so strong and has been creeping and creeping and creeping. Uh, you know, it's like the frog in the, in the boiling water that the frog doesn't realize that the water is boiling and finally kills him, you know, and it's too late to jump out. Um, I, you know, we, we mentioned about moral. I just see things going. The envelope keeps being more and more and well, yeah. i worry that uh that, you know i mean you know one of the things that really um it really bothers me a lot and it's it's metaphorical i mean it happened but um but it's it's kind of a statement of what's happening to america and that is uh the norman rockwell paintings that were in white house were replaced by biden with pictures now to get america and that is so orwell you know orwellian to get us to forget that it's all it, it's from one movement there you know back 
that they must forget Norman Rockwell's America. Absolutely. And and this is the new America. You know, this is um forget about those, you know, like apple pie and uh, countryside and and uh, others playing basketball or baseball or whatever, you know, fishing, that kind of thing. Sure. That that was quaint, that was nice, but oh we have to we have to forget about that now. And actually we have to go to a break right now. But we can talk more about that when we come back. Um, today we're talking about the Woking Dead, my the book of my uh, guest, which is How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture, A.J. Rice. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with A.J. Rice, the author of this amazing, amazing book. Uh, It's called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. And no matter what political party you belong to, this is for all of us. Um, And it is to wake all of us up and to empower us to do something about what is going on in society. So, AJ, you wanted to comment about um, what I was saying in the last segment? Yeah. So there's always been censorship, right? So it was in, in the past. The king was censoring you or the church was censoring you in the 20th century. Graham Greene, uh, Oscar Wilde, Ernest Hemingway, George Orwell, they were all censored by their government. Not printing this, you know, printing rights for that or 
you know, some of them even, you know, brought before court, you know, court over certain, certain things. One of them, I think Graham, a Graham Greene uh, lawsuit made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And, you know, you had artists, let's say in Hollywood in the, in the 30s and 40s, they were infiltrated. There were communists there. But the House created this House Un-American Affairs Committee, right? Which is very similar to this January yeah. 6th committee. I mean, you could call, I mean, you could call this that. I mean, it's so so you you do get this. It's it's cyclical. Yeah, right? actually, that's um, a good point about comparing the, the January 6th. Okay, but but um I'll let you continue, but I think that at this point we've gone so far. I don't you know, it's much harder to go back. Well, we look, and people thought that coming out of the Carter years, and, and they thought that coming out of Obama and moving into Trump. I will tell you what has happened, though, that the revolutionaries that were anti-government became the government. So the people that the House Un-American Committee was looking into, the entertainment types, the college professors, the left-wing radicals, the, the Saul Alinsky, you know, devotees, they eventually grow up. They run for mayor and then congressman and then governor. Some of them get elected. They end up in Washington. They end up as cabinet secretaries. And what they're doing now is the exact, the thing that they were supposed to be against, that they now hold the power. I mean, who would think that you know, the Democrats would control all these different arms law enforcement that they simultaneously kind of hate. You know, they hate they hate law enforcement. You know, the cops are terrible when they're sitting over George Floyd. But but when the Capitol Hill police, I mean, they were the charge of the light brigade. They were the paladins here to save us. Right. 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 So 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 you have to look at it that way. And again, um, the one thing that allows that, that does make this harder, and you are right, is that they can move at the speed of light now mm. to with, because of the internet, okay? So technology has allowed censorship to move faster, right? So Lenny Bruce tells some anti-Catholic joke uh, in Indianapolis on Wednesday. It might make it to New York City in the papers by Friday, and then Bobby Kennedy might be looking into it. Bobby Kennedy might be looking into it by Monday morning. Right. Yeah. Or, or Hoover might be looking into it. So so it, it, the speed with which they can clip your wings is really fast. Yeah. Let me tell you what happened to me. I have a personal LinkedIn account. What do we do on there? We share interviews of you doing doing media hits. Naomi Wolf, you know, Paul Manafort, Ben Carson, whoever it is. Well, about three weeks ago, LinkedIn told me that I shared the wrong links. Now, we don't do any commentary. We share your commentary, our clients at Publius PR's commentary. So we shared two Naomi Wolf stories and one Gregory Wrightstone global warming story, and boom, we got put into that. We got put the Stasi, the digital Stasi shows up and they throw us in the penalty box and they held us hostage for three weeks. Now, what did they say? I had to basically tell them, and this is how they condition us. Mm. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'll never do it again. I'll abide by the terms of, you know, terms of agreement and, you know, whatever. So, you know, obviously I'm going to move away from using LinkedIn for this purpose. I mean, it does help our business because it showcases the type of media we can get people and it brings in new clients. 
you know, I'll probably move what I'm doing to some other safer platform. But this is how they condition you, you know, slowly. Um, they use their digital brown shirts. They fan out. They can, you know, demonetize you, deplatform you. Um, and then your livelihood is gone. Yes. I actually had a thing with LinkedIn too, where I was put in the, in the uh, corner, you know, with a dunce cap. Um, and I think it was primarily things having to do with the vaccines, you know, or hydroxychloroquine or that kind of stuff. Um, I also was uh, expelled from YouTube uh, for several months. Um, and, you know, and, and what's interesting is they go back. It's not just the new stuff that a person puts up, they go back into all of it. Like I figured, okay, with YouTube, after I got one demerit um, for a vaccine thing, I think it was, um, I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to put up any more vaccine things. But then they go back into your, however many YouTube tubes, you know, videos you have, they go into all of them. And so that's how they gather together, like also with LinkedIn. And it's that they gather three things together, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's so funny because LinkedIn is like the, uh, you know, that's like the, um, oh, what should I say? Like the, like the nerd of all these, of all these social it media is. things, you know, you it wouldn't is. expect LinkedIn to do something oh, like that. Oh, they're in there. The, the, <laughs> the Woking Dead have infected all the systems. They are everywhere and they're building little case studies on all of us. <laughs> um, I mean, and that's the, and that of course is the danger that I was talking about is that everything and anything is being captured and recaptured and stored forever. Uh, you know, and that there's part of that is, you know, forgetting is sometimes healing, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you want to remember certain things, you know, we've all watched the Kennedy assassination and the, the plane and the planes hit the twin towers uh, over and over again, but every little stupid tweet that some, you know, schmuck sands. I don't need that. That doesn't need to live forever. <laughs> and, and obviously the one thing that didn't live forever was Hillary Clinton's emails. Um, and they, they didn't and live Hunter forever. Biden's, and Hunter uh, Biden's laptop. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, the, uh, the, the bureau didn't send anybody to kick down any doors there. That's right. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, I know. One of the things, you know, I, I talk about some of these things to some of the issues, obviously not uh, in 400 pages worth. But when I do interviews about, like, let's say Biden's uh, dementia, for example, to pick a recent thing, um, you know, then and, and I talk about, yes, and Kamala Harris, you know, everyone says, of course, she would be worse or just as bad. And then we have Nancy Pelosi. And but and so at the end, um, I'll be asked, OK, so what should we do about it? You know, you're right about all these things that you were just talking about, CRT and, and trans and all of that. OK, great. What do we do about it? Now I have an answer at least to tell them to read this book. But what do you say when they well, yeah, ask, yeah. what do you do about it? Sure. I mean, you have to vote with your wallet, vote with your feet. Um, you know, if, if if you're disenfranchised with, elect, with our election, I mean, you could take your ball and go home. But we need everybody to show up. I mean, this last this last election, I mean, this was the most votes ever captured by a sitting president. So we showed up. They were able to to somehow find enough to beat him, from what I can tell, without go, without going you know, too deep into into something that I, and I'm not really writing about at the moment. But it's real. You need to get out. 
Get a copy of The Walking Dead. Go wave it around in those phony poll watchers' faces. Um, and when it comes to some of the garbage in your culture, you can vote with your wallet. Um, you can turn it off. You can uh, go watch something. We have the one thing about technology is there's more entertainment options and sports options than ever before. Um, most masterpieces have been captured, you know, film masterpieces. If you want to watch every episode of I Love Lucy or Leave It to Beaver, you can do that from your phone. So if you want to watch Casablanca or Going with the Wind, you can do that from your phone, from an airplane. So you don't need to watch, you know, some LGBTQ paranoid, you know, phantasm. You can you can go watch Orson Welles or, you know, and maybe you should watch some of those old things because it'll it'll preview some of the stuff we're actually going through. Yes, and Twilight Zone, for example, it's uh, sure. that's what we're going through. Um, yes, um, you know, yes, people can do that and should do that, and and um, and you know, I think that people need to become more involved. I so I've been saying things like, I mean, of course, that they need to stay healthy psychologically and physically, and they should become involved in groups. Um, that feel the same way that they do about a particular issue. You know, if you feel strongly about one particular issue or or several issues, there are there are there are groups in your community that feel the same way. And so, you know, there's strength in numbers. Um, I mean, people s sometimes will say, "Well, yeah, but you know what happens with these uh, PTA meetings and the parents who are called domestic terrorists and all that? That the police come in and they, you know, they arrest them and so on." But that's why it's important to have greater numbers and a greater voice and um, and really to combat fear. I mean, that's the biggest thing. There are the, the two dangers I see are people who are in denial uh, about how bad America is, you know, how much has been taken over in America by people who want to destroy it. And then people who are frightened um, to say something, you know, to come out and and talk about these things uh, are you talking about that are you afraid um has anything happened yet i know your book is really new but has anything happened yet to you about um because of the book bad well, something I mean, bad yeah well there's well nothing bad but i mean obviously we got booted up linkedin but that wasn't because of the book um no i mean you know we're 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 talking to our allies about the book i mean it's out there there are some people you know, that have called the 1-800 number that have heard me do interviews saying crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but we, we get people calling the 1-800 number when we send pitches out for people. So, <laughs> I mean, one of the craziest ones I ever got was about, you know, banning all the Russian players in the NHL in order to punish uh, Putin. You know, we had somebody write about that. And the you know, people, hockey fans started calling the 1-800 number. They went, so... <laughs> I mean, they're out there. The kooks are out there. Um, you know, you have to be, if you're out in the public, you have to be aware of it, um, be on guard to some degree. But, you know, I, I was just talking uh, to my wife about this. Salman Rushdie's attack huh. is, a for, is a form of cancel culture. It, it, cancel culture doesn't have to be left wing. Cancel culture could come from the mullahs of Iran. Cancel culture can come from ISIS. Cancel culture is when the Taliban were shooting rockets at those Buddhists. So, you know, you had a guy jump yes. on stage and stab Salman Rushdie. 
It's been 30 years in the making. A guy a month and a half ago jump on stage with a knife and attack Chappelle. You had a guy jump on stage and attack Lee Zeldin, who's running for yes, governor of New York. Yes, yes. So, so look, uh, cancel culture is just, you know, taking you off of, you know, Patreon and booting you off Facebook. Some of these people, the people that give out the, the addresses of the Supreme Court justices, they're, they're unhinged and they're getting their marching orders from the far left. And, you know, they're, you never know when one of them may act. And um, unfortunately for Rushdie, I mean, he's in bad shape, but can't the inevitable physical attack can happen from counter from from culture. It's not just online. They they might come after you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I hope nothing happens to you. <laughs> and I'm sure you you're protecting yourself. You might need to get a different. Don't worry, I got the Irish. I got the Irish protecting me. You Don't might worry. need to get a different 800 number, you know, for uh, for what you give out for your clients. For that 1 800 number goes to a phone booth in, you know, <laughs> in Patterson, New Jersey. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay there. Well, we are at the end um, here of the show, not just of a segment. Thank you so much. I really appreciate um, all that you do. And I, again, I, this needs to be a required reading for, for high school and college and uh, the places where people are being turned out who are the most destructive to America because of the pr propaganda that they're being fed. And uh, let me just give out the name again. The name of the book is called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. And again, my guest is A.J. Reist. And thank you so much, A.J. Thank you. You know, we love you. We love your audience. It's really a pleasure being on. We appreciate everything you do. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.